0: Okay, so we are live. Uh, I'm Ray Hanania.
1: I'm Bill Lipinski.
0: And I'm Brian Broking. And this is two guys on politics with our producer, Brian Broking, who helps add a young youth perspective to some of the craziness of these older people that think they know everything. Now, uh, one day when I want to invest my social security in Bitcoin, Brian, I am going to call
2: you, okay? And you're going to have to help me invest that. Now, now is a great time to invest. The market's down 10% today. So. They
0: said that back in the 80s, and I remember people losing a lot of money.
2: That was before Bitcoin,
0: though.
2: Well, that's true.
0: But I don't trust anything that I can't hold in my hand. Listen,
1: is this? are we on the air?
0: Yes, we are. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so listen, our first topic was uh, the uh, uh, Ohio Senate race with... Uh, uh, J.D. Vance winning the Republican primary nomination, and he basically did it, right, with Trump's backing, and now people are saying, wow, this is a Trump revival, and in a way it it could be, right?
1: Well, we'll find out once we get to Pennsylvania and Georgia. Uh, all the candidates that were running in the uh, Republican primary for the Senate in Ohio, other than the woman right. who got the uh, 5.9% of the vote were actually Trump supporters. Now, Trump did endorse J.D. Vance, and it obviously helped him because he was getting 22% of the vote when Trump endorsed him, and he wound up getting almost 33% of the vote. Right. right. Uh, now, he was—he also started out probably as the favorite candidate, having been an author, having been a conservative, being a very articulate individual, But for some reason, on the campaign trail, uh, he didn't really do that well until Trump came along and, you know, picked him up.
0: Yeah, and uh, he was trailing, you know, for a while. and Then Trump jumped into the race, endorsed him and gave him a boost. Now, I guess if you were to analyze it just based on the percentages, Um, It seemed like Vance and that the other two candidates that got in the 20s, they all three of them were around 20, 23 percent each. And Trump got Vance an extra nine percent. Does that nine percent boost really represent Trump clout in Ohio, you guys think? Um, Definitely it's a Republican uh, election because in the Senate uh, there were total one million Republican votes cast in that uh, primary for the Senate, and only a half million cast in the Democratic primary, where a guy named Tim Ryan won with only 355,000 votes, um, compared to Vance's 341,000 votes.
1: The uh, Democratic primary really wasn't that heavily uh, contested. Tim Ryan is a congressman. He ran against... uh, Uh, Nancy Pelosi for speaker a few years uh, back.
2: Uh, He ran for president for a couple of weeks.
1: That's right. He did run for president for a couple of weeks. It was a couple of short weeks, but he did run. But I mean, there wasn't much of a contest on the Democratic side. Uh, I think that we will be able to determine how popular Trump still is once we get to Pennsylvania and once we get to Georgia, because he has endorsed a candidate in each one of those states and thus far, they have not been doing that well. But, you know, the election isn't upon us as of yet, although it's coming up very uh, soon. If his candidates win in in uh, Pennsylvania and Georgia, then I really think, unfortunately, he's got an excellent chance of being the Republican candidate for president once again.
0: Yeah, I, I, think I uh, go ahead, Brian.
2: I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that Ohio is still thought of as a coin flip state, but it's really not anymore. It is a solid red state at this point in time. And it is a solid red state that Trump won by a huge percentage on election night. I still remember he was that was like the telltale sign that it would be close is that Trump did so well in Ohio and Florida specifically. So I do think that, you know, Pennsylvania and other states that Trump ended up losing will be more telling of you know if people are willing to come back to to the trump side of the republican party
0: well is it wasn't it a long time saying that whoever that the president who the candidate who won ohio usually would become the president then wasn't that an old saying that they used to say that yes, in that elections was, that was an old saying yes mm-hmm. but it's not anymore obviously um the, this last election, I think, but Trump Biden really kind of threw everything up in the air. You know, all the old. Uh, what, did,
1: what did Trump win Ohio by against Biden?
2: Um, it was a see. large percentage.
1: Trump, versus Biden. Let's see. I knew. He, I know he beat Hillary by a large percentage. I don't know how much he beat uh, Biden by.
0: Yeah, it looks like uh, Trump won. Uh, 53. Ohio with 53% and Biden had 45, yeah. 3.1 million to 2.6 million. Yeah, that's so, pretty so it isn't really, it doesn't really say much though in terms of changing, you know, the Biden Trump uh, balance because Trump already won Ohio. So he takes Ohio again. Um, it doesn't, you know, what does that do for him? You're right. It's probably going to be other States that we're going to have to look at.
1: Yeah, I say that if he, if his candidates win in Pennsylvania and his candidates win, and his candidate wins in Georgia, then I think you're going to have to start uh, really reckoning with the fact that he very, may very well be the Republican candidate uh, so, president once again.
0: So, all this stuff about look, Trump's resurgent, uh, resurgence is coming out of Ohio, that's fake news, right?
2: <laughs> I, I, I would say so. <laughs> I think you need some real data first. Yeah,
0: I, I would think so, too. But Brian, Brian, before the show, we were talking about this whole concept of fake news. I mean, I thought it was really interesting, you know, that Trump kind of created this phrase, right, to, of fake news to refer to all the criticism he was getting from the media, distra- you know, looking at him rather than the issues.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of, uh, you know, the the evolution of fake news over the past, you know, six years has been it really came out of Trump leaning into the conservative base that for years feels like the media hadn't properly covered them. It hadn't given them a fair shot. You had, you know, Joe Biden saying, you know, gonna lock y'all back up in chains by Mitt Romney, all all these ridiculous comments that weren't really fairly covered. I think Trump really leaned into that and was willing to battle. And, you know, there needed to be a conservative willing to battle for the, you know, fake news disinformation. But then over the years between, you know, the Trump-Russia collusion incident, the fake news kind of warped. So we got into this kind of stance where it was now the left saying it was fake news from Russia and Trump colluding together. And that kind of took the narrative as the new era of fake news. It was, you know, flipped on its head. So the other side took advantage of it.
0: And then fake news, the response from the media was, uh, uh, accuracy you know uh who's telling the truth you know uh these fact and what what are some of these other websites now where you know they check to see what's the truth of a issue suddenly
2: well that's like on uh on facebook they have the arbiters of of you know truth of you know the washington post the new york times fact checkers <laughs> yeah fact, fact check, check any checkers. article up there
0: yeah they'll fact check anything and spin it in their way i still think that opinion is not uh, a truth it's an opinion is a reflection of what you believe all the facts are and you decide what you want to decide but somehow they've turned opinion into right opinion and wrong opinion and if you're conservative opinion it's uh, untruthful and fake and you know uh, not true and if it's liberal opinion it's solid as a rock you know you got to believe it and I think well, there's something wrong with it. New
1: York Times and the Washington Post, if they say something is true, uh, it has to be that way, don't you fellows think?
2: Well, that's the way it was for for decades, and that's what I that that is what the Trump fake news came from. Right. It was from the fact that there was a small percentage of people controlling the the disinformation that would spread. But now at this point, it's it it's flipped on its head, right? It's because anyone can spread information now everyone is spreading the fake news. Right. So it's been flipped to the other side.
0: And it is easy for one person to take a fact, uh, twist it around a little bit, put it on social media. And as many as 70% of the people that see it might believe that it's true. And 30% might say, wait a minute, that was a uh, distortion of something else that was published or that image really isn't the image of what it says it is that was taken from someplace else it really does become very difficult to, to know really what is accurate news and what isn't. Um, that's the downside of the internet. The good side of the internet of course is everybody has access to express their opinion.
2: Yeah. For that's- example, the, uh, the Trump cages on, on the Southern border when, when that became the big news story, the, the image that was credited in a lot of those news articles, if you looked at the date that was on that image, it was actually during the Obama administration that it was taken.
0: Right, and when the media didn't care because they weren't critical, the issue came down to the media wasn't critical of the left. They're happy with the left. They don't want to criticize the left Um, and they get to be very confrontational and critical.
1: Have have either one of you two gentlemen read the expose that the New York Times has done on uh, Tucker Carlson? I've never seen so much ink devoted to one individual. It was on the front page of the Sunday, uh, New York times, and they had two full pages more inside. And then they came back Monday and they had several more pages about them. It was absolutely incredible. Have either I, one of you had the opportunity to read that?
2: I haven't read that one, but they also just yesterday came out with one on Elon Musk, oh. uh, trying to kind of pair him with the, you know, white Anglo-Saxon power in South Africa of where he was from and try and tie him to the oppression and the apartheid. Even though if you look at history, his father was actually a lawyer against that, and he left the country so he wouldn't have to basically join the army to enforce this. So they, they simply just spread that information about Musk in a completely disingenuous way.
0: Yeah, you know what? My uh, having been a journalist, anytime somebody attacks me, I don't care who it is. It elevates me and makes me a much more known, uh, you know, uh, person and uh, a journalist. So, you know, back when Jane Byrne was the mayor and Jay McMullen threatened to punch me in the nose, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Suddenly, people wanted to know who I was. So. Tucker Carlson, I think, was just he wasn't a bad commentator on TV, but suddenly the New York Times punches him as hard as they can. And suddenly everybody is talking about him. I can't see how he would be upset by that now that he's on the front page of the New York Times. He
1: he wasn't upset by it. He was very happy about it. He was holding up a copy of the newspaper uh, and smiling about the whole thing. Uh, I haven't read about uh, Musk, but I, I haven't got to my uh, New York Times yesterday. I'll, I'll make sure I read that. Uh, th- that's incredible that they would say that about him. I mean, I think that uh, he has a few barnacles on him, but I don't think uh, they uh, lie in that direction at all.
0: Yeah, it's you know, uh, uh, a little it, bit listen.
1: unhappy about the fact he's been he's been married three times. I, I don't think a man's very stable if he winds up getting married three times.
0: I think the media doesn't understand it's the fact that when they beat up on somebody, they're actually elevating them. And I think that was part of Trump's uh, success. The fact that they went after him, they put the focus on him and he wanted it and they actually made him and they hated him so much. So it's really kind of an irony, I think, of, uh, you know, the news media. They they're doing the exact opposite of what they
2: want. So. That that is a good point that came out of that. I think I think before Trump, the kind of hit pieces that like came out on you know Tucker Carlson, Elon over the past few days, if those came out ten years ago, I think it would actually be a detriment to those guys, more so because you know the the respected New York Times would have that outlet, and you know enough people would believe it, but now since Trump has basically flipped the script, basically said you can't trust the New York Times. Then if you're on one side or the other side of the aisle, if they attack, the other side is going to go defend you. So they right. defend Trump. They defend Elon, those kind of things.
0: And, and how you respond to the media, I think, is very important because Trump responded in a very controversial, you know, confrontational, petty way sometimes. You know, He would refer to people in a very pejorative manner. Biden, I think the one asset he has is they haven't gotten under his skin. They've said some really incredible things at press conferences, the few press conferences Biden has had compared to Trump. Uh, But he hasn't, you know, taken the bait. They haven't been able to light his fuse. And I think that that's one asset that he has. That's the best way to deal with it.
1: You're talking about Biden? Yes. I don't think the press wants to go after him at all. I think they want to just build him up. Well, I mean, I'm
0: talking about when Fox News, there's one reporter at Fox News is constantly baiting him like, you know, what do you say to the people who think that you don't have your complete faculties, you know, and he'll say, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I got nothing to say. What about and then he just moves on. That's the way you deal with craziness or, you know, something that, you know, you don't want to do. So the bottom line on Trump in Ohio, it's really too early to tell if his power base is really significant.
1: Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree Yeah,
0: I agree with that. We need a few more.
1: Now now I want to know who leaked that Supreme Court opinion.
0: From Justice uh, Sam Alito, uh, where he recommends overturning Roe versus Wade. I'm going to assume it's a, and I know people are going to attack me, but I'm going to say it's a female member of the, who works at the Supreme Court that probably leaked it. Specifically one one that probably, uh,
2: probably works for a uh, a certain justice appointed by Barack Obama it could be
0: somebody who obviously saw it and decided that i'm going to make this public because this they they believe i think they are going to use this to boost up the what would be expected to be a democratic loss in the midterm elections that this is actually going to save some of that loss it may not be as bad if they can build the argument around this issue.
1: I agree with that. I think that this gives the uh, liberal Democrats, the progressive Democrats, the Democratic Party in general, an opportunity to start raising more money for the midterm elections. I think it gives them an opportunity to organize more people to work for Democrats in that uh, midterm election. Uh, The uh, liberal radio and TV stations are saying that it was uh, uh, one of the uh, justices who are for uh, overturning Roe versus Wade to hold those five votes together, to put pressure on those people to stay together. I don't believe that at all. I believe that's totally misinformation. I believe it was a liberal to make more money for the democratic cause and to get workers for the democratic cause. Sounds like a good example of fake news. Yes, it certainly does. Yeah, it's.
0: listen, I think uh, you could, I guess that theory, I don't believe it that much, um, because I think this uh, abortion issue, Roe versus Wade, has always had this deep divide already. And I think that the conservative side is intent on taking it out of the federal government and turning the issue back. To individual states and the people to decide what they want to do in their states, and the liberal side, I think, has always used the idea that um, anybody that you know does anything to Roe versus Wade, uh, Roe Roe versus Wade, is uh, attacking the rights of women, and going into uh, this election against the Republicans for the Democrats, that idea that you can get women to look at themselves as women rather than. Republicans or Democrats benefits the Democrats, I think. So I really believe it was a Democrat that wanted this out because they believed it was going to impact and help them reinforce their response to this typical uh, midterm uh, election that always goes against the incumbent president or seemingly. I, I,
1: does. I agree with that uh, totally uh, and completely. Uh, that original decision of Roe versus Wade was it a political decision. It was not a legal decision. It was done to pacify left-wing extremists in this country in the field of abortion. It took the decision away from the people and put it in the hands of nine individuals that sat on the US Supreme Court. I believe it should be returned to the states and let the state legislatures elected by the people uh, decide if they wanna be pro-life or pro-choice and what restrictions they want to put on, what restrictions they don't want to put on. Right now, you can overturn Roe versus Wade in the state of Illinois will still be pro-abortion because that's what the state legislature has passed and that's what the governor has
2: signed. That is the most interesting piece of polling that came out of this. There were some polls done that basically two to one people supported not they supported Roe versus Wade versus overturning it. But I, I think a lot of that is based on the idea that people think the second that this is reversed, it becomes illegal in all 50 states, which just simply isn't the case. Oh. That's just a incorrect you know distribution of information there. It would be interesting to see this gives the Republicans more time to basically explain what this actually does to the people. And is this really better to do it now and leak it now than, you know, they were saying what a month, two months at max would probably be when this decision would come out uh, on a normal time frame. So is it really better to fire up the base now for the Democrats, or did they actually just like is the extra money they gain now worth it versus, you know, this dying down and a new thing coming up in two months closer to the midterms.
1: I think that's an excellent question and I don't really know. What the answer is truthfully. Uh, they may have uh, you know, uh, shot this off too early and by the time the election gets around, uh, a lot of the uh, fire may have gone out of the, the Democratic base. By the same token, they are going to be able to raise a lot more money between now and the midterm elections. They will definitely be campaigning against uh, the Republicans based upon this and say they want to turn women back to the 1950s, to the 1940s, and we can't allow them to do that. And they will never mention the fact that the decision will simply move from the federal government to the state government, as we've already said.
0: Yeah, and while I, you know, I mean, it's there's probably enough to believe that this was a strategic move, either by somebody on the left or, as we talked about, somebody on the right, but it could also have been just an emotional move. Somebody that saw it and got very angry and said, I can't believe this. The world needs to know. I mean, that somebody on staff there could have just said, this is upsetting because there are a couple issues that we know nationally that there's no middle ground. Abortion is one and uh, gun control is the other. Uh, There's always this big divide between those two sides and there's no reasoning with either side. You can't have a reasonable discussion about it, and if you try, you'll be denounced, uh, you know, in a terrible way. No matter which side you're on. You
1: no, know, I haven't heard anybody make that point, Ray. But you're you're absolutely right. Uh, it could have been just some person that was very, very emotional got this information. It felt that he or she had to get it out to save America. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which. Would but now be the key-
2: question is, do they figure out who did it? And th- there's significant legal action that'll be put upon this person. There should be an interesting story to follow. Well, they, now,
1: now, listen. All the liberal stations I listen to say there's n- really nothing wrong with this. It's not criminal.
0: Yeah, I I think that this is a federal crime, and I think if they are able to prove, uh, without you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, who did it, that person should be charged. Because if you can do that with this. You can do that with anything and then you could really undermine the the supreme court at any time whether they're republican whether they're democratic um and uh, i just think that's a terrible crime it shouldn't should should never happened have happened
1: before in the history of the
2: supreme court it never has no. no yeah so it's an interesting precedence to change where we're now in a world where you know they need to keep these closer to the vest. They they need to act differently. How how the Supreme Court changes on this because now it becomes more of a, the Supreme Court was kind of shielded from the court of public opinion, but on this piece it it won't be for the next two months. They'll be pressured by different media outlets, different sources, and it's nine people, so it's right. not that hard to target them. Yeah,
1: well, uh, uh, some liberal uh, organization has already uh, been passing out the home addresses of uh, all the. Uh, Republican-appointed justices so people can go and demonstrate in front of their house. I thought that that was illegal
0: to do that back when a Democratic judge, uh, some criminal shot up her house and I think killed her husband. I can't remember the judge that, you know, he answered the door and there was this person that was angry and fired some guns at the judge's husband and killed him. Um, And they said that, you know, that was the result of people publishing information to hurt the judges suddenly, you know, and it's sad that politics determines when that's important and when it's not important, you know, it's just really sad that that would be the case to somebody should speak out against that. Um, And the left should be doing it because these are the issues the left always complains about and they champion now that it's been reversed, you know, they're going to tolerate it. And I think that's a, you know, just another, Uh, example of why the left has flaws.
1: Well, I think it's another example of people trying to divide this nation as much as possible. Uh, They do it with so many, many different things nowadays, and I think it's a deliberate attempt to divide us and to weaken us as far as domestic issues go and even international issues.
0: All right. And then uh, one other issue we had was one, it was more of a personal thing with me, because uh, uh, for the last eight months, I've been working with Arab American business owners. Last summer, uh, Mayor Lightfoot ordered a crackdown on Arab American businesses in the city of Chicago. And they dominate these small uh, gas stations and grocery stores that are open 24 hours a day. So her theory was that when a crime would take place, the criminals would look around, see a gas station open in the middle of the night and run there and use that as an alibi to say, hey, I was here buying my potato chips and pop. Um, And by closing that, according to the inspectors who were talking to these businesses, um, it might handicap or undermine the criminal Uh, the crime wave that's spread all over Chicago over the past year. And um, it turned out that last summer in June, she shut down 150 mostly Arab and Muslim-owned businesses. And I think partly because they were very disorganized, the Arab community is still very weak. Um, The majority of Muslims are not even Arab. So it's not really so much a Muslim issue, it was an Arab issue. And she shut these stores down to tell people in the neighborhoods I'm doing something about crime when in fact, she's doing absolutely nothing. And then, uh, Tuesday it came up again we held a press conference by the way, in September. And as soon as we put a spotlight on it, she immediately reopened all 150 gas stations and grocery stores. They were shut for three months and each, gas we station down
1: completely for three months
0: yes they were shut down for three months and each gas station lost enormous amount of money including an average of a hundred thousand dollars in taxes that would go to the city the county and the state the jobs that were lost there were six seven hundred you know jobs that were lost and people from the neighborhoods so when she we put a spotlight on it she reversed it And then this week, a man was standing on Chicago Avenue near Hamlin, and uh, he was looking at his cell phone, and the video camera from a gas station shows a man from across the street running towards him with an AK-47. It was like 9 o'clock in the morning. Shoots the guy, kills him, and the guy falls on the sidewalk. 60%, 60%, I hate to put it like this, but 60% of his body was on the city sidewalk and 40% of his body was fell on the parking lot of the gas station that was owned by an Arab. And they went and they shut that gas station down on Tuesday. And now they say they don't want him to reopen all because they're trying to blame this crime on the gas station. What did the gas station have to do with it? Um, so this is the... The concern, I think, in this is this is how they're fighting crime in the city of Chicago. They're not fighting crime in the city of Chicago. They're finding distractions, you know, the other things for you to look at and think something's being done and it's not being done.
1: All these gas stations that were closed up a year or so ago, you mentioned, how many of them reopened? When they were allowed to reopen, you know? There
0: were probably about, I would say about 140. 10 of them actually couldn't reopen because they had lost so much money. um, They just couldn't uh, economically stand on their feet.
1: Um, And, you know, normally I think. I'm sorry, what, Bill? I was going to say, I'm surprised that's all that there were were 10 that could not reopen. I would have thought that there would have been, uh, you know, 50% of them couldn't reopen.
0: No, now all, the majority of them did reopen. We thought we had everything back to normal. Um, but now that the weather is getting better and crime is going to shoot up again. I mean, you see this video of a man holding an AK-47 at 920 in the morning on a major street in Chicago, just east of Pulaski Road, openly running with it. It's, it's like, you know, it's just unbelievable shooting this guy. 70 60 or 70 times it's an automatic mm-hmm. weapon it was Do we know why why he shot the guy we don't know i mean the police are focused on the wrong thing they're focused on the gas station shut him down crime will be okay i don't get it i think that this person died on the city sidewalk i think the city should be shut down not the gas station but uh fortunately you know unfortunately the mayor doesn't listen to me
1: uh, well, uh, I, I appreciate hearing about this. I think it's a, uh, a a very serious situation, and I hope, frankly, that uh, more people would be interested in it, and we could get it addressed, and uh, we could get the uh, gas station uh, reopened, and we wouldn't have this uh, apparent, uh, you know, persecution of uh, Arabs in the city of Chicago.
0: Yeah, the only good thing for the Arab community is I'm Arab one of the few, uh, Arab Americans in the media. I was able in September to get all 10 TV stations, four newspapers and three radio stations to cover their press conference. I helped them articulate their view. And I did it again this morning. They called me last night at about five o'clock and said, Ray, what can we do? I said, do you have video? And they showed me the video of the shooting uh, where it happened, and I was able to get every TV station out uh, to their press conference this morning at 11 o'clock. So you may see it on the news today, later on. I hope we do. All right. I
1: will look forward to viewing it.
0: All right. Anything else, guys, that we wanted to talk about, or have we overstayed our welcome?
1: <laughs> There's a lot, there are a lot of things that uh, I would like to talk about, but I think we've talked about enough issues uh, for this particular uh, podcast
0: all right all right well then let's uh say goodbye i'm ray hanania i'm
1: bill lipinski
2: and i'm brian broking
0: and i hope everybody joins us again next week when we uh return to talk uh, politics from reagan democrats a perspective that's not often heard anymore uh but the three of us like to bring it out thank you guys